Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast where we discuss the Ninja Turtle comics one exciting issue at a time. Kevin, how you been? Oh, you know. I feel like I say that every week. Oh, you know. Um, oh, bother. I, uh, if, if you're looking for an update on what I've been saying, I finished Link's Awakening with Ooh. my Zelda playthrough. I'm going through all the Zelda games in order. So next is Ocarina of Time, which is some people's absolute favorite Zelda game ever. I kind of like them all more or less the same, to tell you the truth. I mean, obviously there's there's some lesser Zeldas, but I don't think Ocarina of Time is so high above everything else. Is, I, I feel like that's a lot of people's first one they played. Oh my god, I, I think I texted you about this this week, so I was looking for a Zelda podcast to listen to, yep. and a lot of the ones I found were people who were like, you know, most podcasts do that first episode where they tell you why they like the thing, Oh yeah. and yeah. A, lot of, a lot of them were like, oh, you know, my, fir my first system was the Nintendo 64, and I started with Ocarina of Time, and I'm like, oh, I, and then I'd listen to another one, and they'd, and they'd be like, oh, my first Zelda was Twilight Princess, and, and, you know, some of them were A Link to the Past. I didn't find any that started like us that were with the first OG Zelda, and I thought people born in our age range were like the majority of podcasters, so I guess a lot of younger people are doing it too. I'd be interested to see one if Wind Waker was your first. I've seen that. I mean, I follow a lot of Zelda Twitter stuff. There's pretty much no Zelda game I haven't seen somebody say was their first. Except maybe like the CDI games. Nobody said those were their first. And then I just stopped. <laughs> but I'll, I'll bet they were somebody's, you know? It's like this, that thing, they, to bring it back to comic books, it's that thing where they say every comic book is somebody's first. That's... Somewhere Can you that was somebody's that? first comic. CDI yeah, Zelda was today's... my fave. What? <laughs> <laughs> if today's so comic had. book was your first comic book, <laughs> Confused, that would be crazy. You would be. Yeah. But uh, in, in better standing than last week. But if you tuned in, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah, we're not going to, you know, we, we're going to call it like we see it. <laughs> it I would still... be Sean and I thought about it. It's like it would be doing our listeners a disservice if we just said everything was was perfect and amazing. Like if if we're not feeling the issue, we're gonna say it. Yeah, and I I we weren't positive, but I don't feel like we kicked it while it was down either. No, we gave an honest opinion. And I gave it a one point five. That I know you cut it, uh, killed well, it with a point five. Yeah, yeah. To me, I don't think Turtle, and we said that's probably the lowest scoring issue we'll ever have, so time will tell if I'm ever forced below a 1.5, but I think that's the lowest I'll score Turtles, but to me that says any Turtles is better than no Turtles. You know, even at its worst, I'm still giving it a 1.5. <laughs> but enough about last week's episode. Let's, let's get into the controversial, not controversial, the... The very strange issue we have to talk about today. I kind of dig it now, but yeah, yeah, it is strange. It is growing on me. It, yeah, definitely. You know what I think it was? So, for those of you who didn't listen to season one and started with season two, we, we touched on it a little bit with our recap episode, but this is the second part of a trilogy 
but Mirage Comics likes to split their trilogies up for some reason. So the first issue was a, a while back. I I want to say it was issue 31. 31, yeah. Yeah. So 31 was part one of this trilogy. And now 35 is part two. And the next week will be part three, and it'll wrap it up. But... It's, it's weird they always put the, the first part of trilogies away from when they pick it up later on. Yeah, the uh, Return to New York's the only one I can think of they don't do that, but that was also Eastman and Laird. And, and the reason I bring that up is that it... Me saying that it's growing on me now is I feel like that first part, no, almost nothing happened in it. And stuff happens in this issue. <laughs> like, there are events to... To say, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool, and, and keep going. Whereas the first issue, you really only had the art and a yeah. vague idea of what they were setting up. No, I agree. So, this week's issue is Souls Withering. It's got art by Michael Zuli, written by Michael Zuli, letters by Rob Coswell, and it came out in March of 1991. So, without any further ado, Sean... Let's travel back to March of 1991, see what was happening in the world of entertainment. Uh, Secret of the Ooze. Secret of the Ooze. Don't get ahead of me. (laughs) (laughs) I got excited, okay. So, so movies. Movies of March of 1991. Actually, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, I was going to say this later on, but... In, in the copy you read, did you notice the last page of this comic had a preview for Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Use? Yes, it did. Uh, well, preview, poster, what, an advertisement, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't... You can't really do a movie preview in a comic. But anyway, movies of March of 1991. So when this comic came out in theaters, that month we got The Doors. We got New Jack City. Ooh. We got... Career opportunities. Do you know that movie? No. So every every time I do this segment, one stands out to me. And this was the one that stood out just because if you Google career opportunities, you're going to see the... I don't know anything about the movie, but the poster, it's the most cliche 90s poster you've ever seen. It was like a lot of po- movie posters in the 90s had... The two main characters, if it was like usually a romantic comedy, they were usually like hugging or like close together for some reason. An all white background with the name of the movie written vertically on the side of the poster. You know what? I think Pretty Woman did this yeah, poster. Pretty Woman did that. I'm looking that's it up. Probably, now, just... That's probably the most well known one, but. This it was it was just so such a cliche poster and I have no idea what this movie is. So, so 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 I looked it up. The only thing I know of this is the gif of Jennifer Connelly riding on the, the coin operated pony. So now I know what the hell that's from. Oh okay. So that's Frank Whaley. He used and to now have we all a, know uh, that you say now we all know that you say gif. You've outed yourself. So it's time for that war to start on Twitter. This is uh, the the small gap where Frank Wiley Whaley had a career, huh? I have no idea who that is, Sean, so I'm going to go with yes. Damn it. <laughs> well, it, it it just supports your point that I don't know who that is. So, yeah, he had a short career. So, other movies that came out were Defending Your Life. Ooh, that was good. 
And this bit doesn't really work anymore because we talked about it, but I had a bit here <laughs> where I said there was no Jean-Claude Van Damme movie this month, but there was a movie our listeners might have heard of called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze, released March 22nd. And that has Ninja in the title, so it's kind of like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, I guess. Oh, you didn't even use the advertising tagline? What? What? Which tagline? I think Back I by Bodacious Demand. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you know we do this every time, Sean. Which of the movies released in March made the most money? It's gonna be Secret of the Ooze. You're correct. Because <laughs> we hadn't even heard of those other movies. So... Ninja Turtles Secret of the Ooze made 78 million. It also made that worldwide. So I'm starting because I saw a thing on Wikipedia that did have like 50 million for mm. a worldwide total, but it wasn't listed on this box office site I use, so I'm not going to put it in there. But let's say 78 million world worldwide was the number it said, um, and it was the same number domestic. So. I'm thinking a lot of movies just didn't get international releases back then. I think that was something that kind of started in the early 2000s where they were like, everything goes international now. That could be. I don't know. Hit us up on uh, Twitter and everything if you were in another region of the world when uh, Secret of the Ooze released. I mean, I'm sure it did get an international release, but I'm thinking it might have been some sort of staggered thing, or maybe it came out the next year, which is why it's not in these box office numbers. Like, yeah, maybe they, they took they a year. Yeah, they do do that with, uh... They could have taken, like, a year to subtitle it or translate it. Yeah, because they do that with big movies, too. Sometimes they come out earlier mm -hmm. in, like, Japan or something. But anyway, I had a few notes on, I'm sure it's on people's minds, how it related to the first movie, which did kind of nah, just I mean it made less but oh here we go so the first film made 140 million on a budget of 13 million which is crazy by 1990 standards right I mean that would be that would be a huge success today you know if 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 even in today's money you saw a director take 13 million and turn it into 140 million oh yeah and this was 1990 so so then the second movie, there is a drop yes. and an increase in the film's budget, but it's it's not it's not as big a drop as I thought it was going to be. So like I said, it made 78 million and the budget was 25. So that's why they talk about this I think in the Toys That Made Us. That's why they decided to take a year off yeah. before doing Ninja Turtles 3. The franchise looked like it was cooling. So those are those numbers. Let's get into some songs. March 2nd, the number one song on the Billboard charts, All the Man That I Need by Whitney Houston. Never heard it. And then two weeks in a row, <laughs> I don't think you're going to know any of these. I don't think we're going to be like, I mean, we were in, what, the, the first grade? We were somewhere around the first grade at this point. We weren't really into music, so yeah. it's probably not going to be till like 93, 94 well, no, because Nirvana's going to drop soon. I mentioned that before. Anyway, yeah, but <laughs> March. I don't remember being mid-middle school and being like, yeah, man, Kurt Cobain. No, but you'll know it. <laughs> you'll know it when I mention it now. <laughs> so anyway, March 9th, uh, the next week, the next two weeks, the number one song was Someday by Mariah Carey. And then that March 23rd. 
<laughs> March 23rd, One More Try by Timmy T. Never heard of Timmy T. Nope. And then March 30th, Coming Out of the Dark by Gloria Estefan. No. <laughs> and that's I, the music of the March of the 1990. I mean, I'm not really surprised Go Ninja so, didn't 91. Short. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was released as a single until, like, it, after this. It probably wasn't. Yeah, it, things took longer back then. It wasn't the instant age of communication like when Endgame came out. And, well, Endgame's a bad example. That was a global phenomenon. But, like, you know, like when a huge movie hits nowadays and two weeks later everyone's sick of hearing about it. <laughs> so, video game news from March 1991. Nintendo Power. I'm just going to stick with them for, for now. The cover story is a feature on Metal Storm, which is a game people are crazy for. I never really got too into it. And there were also previews for G.I. Joe and Star Tropics, which is another game that people go crazy for. If you All know video I remember games, about you know those. Star Tropics was people cried when it was on the NES Mini because you, I mean, you could look it up, but one of the passwords was just in the booklet <laughs> with the game. Oh, yeah. It was one of those things that did like a Metal Gear Solid where it told you to look into the booklet to find something. God, we're old. <laughs> isn't that? Isn't it like a Zelda type game too? Yeah, it's like a top yeah, it's, down. It's okay. a top down RPG. So that's on the Nintendo Power cover. Not really exciting stuff this month. Um, <laughs> TV events. Uh, there was one that I really zeroed in on that I thought was cool. Clarissa explains it all. Debuted on Nickelodeon. Na so. na 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 na. Big show for people of our generation. I remember that show used to aggravate the hell out of me. Because, uh, well, I liked it, but, like, you know when you're that age where, like, y you'll be watching a show like that and your aunts and uncles start teasing you and being like, oh, I think he's got a crush on her. And it's like, and that used to bother me because I did not have a crush on Melissa Joan Hart. And it was mainly because I thought she looked a lot like my sister. So <laughs> that always stressed me out. That's a valid reason. Uh... Yeah, I was like, I do not have a crush on her. <laughs> It was a constant source of teasing in my household. Why'd you bring it up, Sean? Tragic memories. <laughs> you got me thinking of this one time we were out to dinner, my whole family, and they were, like, teasing my brother and I, and I, like, took a stand. Like, I was, like, I don't know, seven or eight, and I'm like, we're not as dumb as we look. <laughs> <laughs> and then I always do the Saturday Night Live, if there was anything, because I think that's a cool snapshot of this time in history. March 16th, 1991, hosted by Michael J. Fox, Ooh. with musical guests, The Black Crows. Ooh. March 20th, I need a Saturday Night Live voice, too. Last week I needed Casey Kasem, now I need SNL. March 23rd, hosted by Jeremy Irons, with musical guest, Fishbone. I know Jeremy Irons, but Fishbone, no. And the cast, it's starting to get to be that perfect cast. So we got Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, John Lovitz, Dennis Miller, Mike Myers, Kevin Nealon, and then it says also starring, so they were in like a se separate section, Chris Farley, Tim Meadows, Chris Rock, Julia Sweeney. Featured Al Franken and Whitney Brown. Oh, nice. and Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, and David Spade are featured as well. So, 
On the SNL Wikipedia, it said that basically, like, it's funny because the cast of Saturday Night Live today is huge. But oh, yeah. back then, this was kind of a big deal. This was the biggest cast that they had ever had. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just kept getting bigger from here. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it, like, waxed and waned over the years. But the the uh, the precedent had been set for a large cast, and they never looked back. You should do the whole show is Don Pardo. <laughs> in Ninja Turtle news. <laughs> so, so this is kind of a cool one. The same month that this comic came out for, I guess you could say, the adult Ninja Turtle book, the, the kids' book, the one that's based on the cartoon series, Ninja Turtle Adventures, Yep. that was issue number 18 came out, which the description is, the turtles return to New York City, discovering a teenage rock band named Merciless Slaughter practicing in Shredder's former hideout. Exposed to mutagen, a guy named Mondo is mutated into a humanoid gecko, Mondo Gecko, who takes down the Shredder's foot robot, and it's the first appearance of Mondo Gecko. That is cool. I don't know, because obviously he was in the cartoon show, so I don't know if he if his episode had aired yet, but... It's definitely his first comic book appearance. Nice. But enough about the Mondo Gecko. <laughs> that's all the that's all the entertainment news I have. Let's move on to the focus, the cover story, if you will, that we're doing today, which is Souls Withered, issue thirty-five of the Mirage series. So, is this available anywhere no. that you found? <laughs> I looked it up. Yeah. It's another right now. You you have to get the actual issue. Well, I'm sure it's not that hard to get. <laughs> no, it's Actually, the Turtles easy. books have been kind of going up. Depending on what you think is an expensive comic, I'll bet for 20 bucks each you could get all three of these issues, including shipping, on eBay. Yeah, I, I'm not positive, but I thought I found a trade that had just the three together. But I couldn't like get any accurate information on it. Yeah, it's probably something that's out of print. You mean? Yeah, because it yeah, had they, the they... Uh, cover from the first issue, but it specifically oh. like mentioned this storyline. So I don't know. Hmm. Well, here's hoping the color classics tackles this. This would this would be all black anyway. I was gonna say I don't I don't feel like this trilogy would work for color classics. I know that. You know, there, there's some controversy amongst comic book aficionados as far as recoloring, but I would agree. I, I can't see how you would recolor these three, but... I think the color classics are kind of cool. I don't think it's, like, a big deal because uh, the original comics weren't black and white for artistic reasons. They were black and white because that's all they could afford to publish because they were such a small company. So if they could could have done color, they probably would have. Plus, fortunately for everyone, Eastman and Laird never fell into that George Lucas thing of those old versions we made the money on don't exist anymore. Well, that's the thing, too. That's where they get all my money is they keep putting out and reprinting these both ways. Like they'll print the color classics, but then they'll print the ultimate edition in the original black and white. And I'll buy both like an idiot. I'm trying to stick to color classics for the uh, original run, but I think there's, I can't think of what issue, but there's like one issue where it looked funky to me. 
more on that as it develops. So yeah, let's let's talk about this cover. It's just another it reminds me of Renaissance artwork. I mean, it it's not too different from the first parts cover, really. Yeah, and it's also not too different from what you're gonna find inside the book either. It's it's very much giving you like this comic is just as advertised. <laughs> you know, if, if you saw this cover, you knew what you were getting. It's like Sean said, it's the the turtles drawn Renaissance style. This is the trilogy that I don't think we've repeated this yet where they draw the turtles like hyper realistic where they genuinely look like six foot tall actual turtles yeah and like kind of like monsters you know what i compared this issue to which it's probably a good idea to get in this mindset before we do the summary (laughs) this is kind do you know what gorefield is no what is gorefield Gorefield is this like parody of Garfield where it's like they they take like a Garfield they take the themes of Garfield comics and I'm not completely familiar with it I've just seen like one or two of them but it's like done in this crazy zombie style and like it's it's like soup it's like satanic <laughs> and like 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 there's demons everywhere and it's like like a, a horror version of Garfield. It, and is that's this kind of, the I'm sorry John stuff? It might you know it might be or I, might I know be, it is that where it's all like HP Lovecraft body horror and weird looking No, I think that's actually a different thing but that's pretty uh, much the same thing. <laughs> so go with that if you if you get that reference better. But that's what this is for Ninja Turtles to me. It's like, it's like you picked up a Ninja Turtle comic from a, a dimension ruled by Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. Like, this is this comic came to us through a trans-dimensional portal <laughs> from <laughs> Mars. <laughs> yeah, where we see what the turtles look like in the evil universe. Yeah, the 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 only thing that really sticks out to me on the cover is that. Splinter looks like he's a trapped vampire. Like he's doing like the hissing. So basically the cover is the three turtles and Splinter in front of a incapacitated turtle that's lying on some crates. And which is from issue the first part and we still don't know which turtle is who. Yeah, we should catch people up in case they didn't hear that first part because almost nothing happens. It'll be quick. Um, In that first part... It's basically, it's it's a lot like a Swamp Thing comic book, where the, the turtles awaken, Splinter summons the turtles through some spiritual meditation thing, yeah. Um, and they awaken from this hibernation, and they, they kind of like come out of the swamp, and they, and while Splinter is communicating with Shredder through like astral projection, telepathy, they set up a battle. The turtles go, they fight the Foot Clan, and one of them has been incapacitated from that battle. And then after the Foot Clan defeated that turtle, they took off. Now, in this series, we're not going to be mentioning which turtle anything is, because they're all kind of interchangeable. They, they draw them all exactly the same. They're all just mutant monster turtles. I'm pretty sure it's the ugly one that, that got injured. <laughs> You know, they do kind of look like Razar. Yeah. Or is it Toka? I can never keep those two straight. Toka. 
Toka's a turtle. Toka, sorry. They do look like Toka. No, you're you're right. That sh I should be able to remember that because of the cartoon. I was going to say, cartoon. of all the people who should be able to remember that, <laughs> you're pretty high and up on that. It's funny because I never have a problem with Bebop and Rocksteady. Well, mainly because Rocksteady and Rhino both start with R. Oh. <laughs> Bebop, Warthog. Yeah, I could, I could see where that... <laughs> okay, let's summarize this thing. So, we start on Shredder narrating some Edgar Allan Poe. And it's, I don't know of what piece this is from, but it ends with him on this passage that is like, my true face is a mask. So if you know Edgar Allan Poe, you know what that's from. I don't. Um, I kind of like the opening narration. Oh, I love it. I love everything about these first couple of pages. I was just confused what time period it is now, and it didn't jump out to me in the first issue. I think this whole story, it's kind of vague when it takes place. Because it seems like I mean, it's not like, like it's a... not like they walk by a calendar. <laughs> no, it, it it seems like he's in a modern building. But when they fought in the previous issue in the snow, it seemed like feudal Japan. I don't think it has a specific time. I think this is like a very otherworldly story. It's doing its own thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's got the Poe Gothic thing going. So yeah, I, I, I'll go with that. So under these narration boxes of Edgar Allan Poe, the artwork is a crow carrying what, or a raven, I should say, carrying what looks like a little statue. Then we eventually see Shredder, who's doing his narration, and as he finishes the narration, he mentions that the crow is carrying something called the fetish, which I don't think we get very into in this issue. No. Apparently, apparently it's a holdover from the first part, but I didn't remember it from there. I reread it, but I forgot to look for what the fetish was. Well, it kind of looks like a sculpture of one of the turtles. I mean, it really looks more like Ben Grimm as the Pillsbury Doughboy, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a it's clobbering time <laughs> joke, but I got... <laughs> I got nothing. I mean, that's kind of funny in and of itself, but yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> the the. Re <laughs> Damn you, Doctor Doom! <laughs> nothing says loving like clobbering from the oven. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the crow he carries this fetish thing and he lands on Shredder's window and he starts tapping. Why the gentle tapping? To give us more Poe references and nothing more. <laughs> I don't remember any explosions in Poe, but... You don't see what I did there. I um, saw so what you did. <laughs> anyway, the real reason the raven uh, is there, he brought him the fetish from the forest that it was apparently lost by Master, S Master Splinter. And then Shredder, he's like amazed that the bird had the, the artifact to begin with, and like, oh, how could Splinter lose this? And before he can really process anything, the bird taps on the window more it annoys Saki. I'm gonna call him Saki for the rest of this because <laughs> good old it feels, Saki. It feels fitting to this story. He's not really Shredder, you know? He's Oroku Saki. Yeah, yeah. Saki. So <laughs> So the bird keeps tapping, Saki gets annoyed, and then the bird explodes. Yeah. Goes kaboom booms. And <laughs> you don't remember those lost pages from the the raven <laughs> it just blows up is that, 
That's why. That's why the pages were lost. There were so many exploding birds around Poe that he couldn't keep track of them. So that brings us to our title card, which is Souls Withering. It says it down at the bottom. Did you notice how weirdly, like, I don't, I don't know the word for this, unaligned the lettering was? Like, it wasn't lined up or spaced properly in the title of the comic. Yeah, it, it's almost like uh, the printing typeset was not put out properly. Yeah, that that could definitely be it, but it stood out to me. You, it, what it actually says is like souls with erring, but it doesn't look intentional. It's uh, we'll post it on our Twitter and Instagram so you can see it. It's it's very interesting that it was laid out that way. Down in the sewer, the gigantic Hulk turtles are pretty much picking up from part one. They're laying whichever turtle was hurt onto a bed. And they got like flowers on him and stuff and they're preparing him for a ceremony like i said the turtles are pretty much interchangeable i don't think we ever figure out which one of them was was downed so it's clear who it is is it it's gene <laughs> <laughs> i have so no splinter, idea which turtle <laughs> splinter he starts a chant which is done in these cool dialogue boxes with like it's like a shadow of Japanese lettering, mm. and I tried finding online, and I'm not sure if th- there's an actual translation for these Japanese characters, but I would love to know it if anyone can get it to us, because it's got to be something, right? Yeah, I I would think so, but what I really like about it, so he, he's summoning Animus. And to summon Animus, he, he has to, you know, do the ritual, but he also has to bind him to something. And I think it's cool he's binding him to a katana. So maybe that means the turtle's Leo? Yeah, that would be pretty much. Although I think two of them did use swords in the last issue. I could be wrong about that. And then the design of Animus, I, I like. It's kind of this weird... Well, don't... We're not there yet. Oh, well, fine. <laughs> I, I'm... I'm... <laughs> I'm still on, like, the lettering, it's like, it's not like I could go and look up every Japanese word, so if anyone can even point me to how I would figure out how to translate this, I would love to know that. So, so like Sean said, this chanting, it summons Animus, and he's angry, yet interested in who has summoned him. Yes. Like, he, he doesn't quite know what to make of it, he's saying, like, a riddle, is it? animal vegetable is it man yeah like sorry i i thought animus was a little bit further on i no, it's all right <laughs> I, thought, but I thought you were getting i thought you were getting way ahead of us <laughs> i've gotten better I, okay i thought i thought it cut back to shredder first but uh, no but no go but on i i like him because he reminds me of the illustrations in the uh scary stories to tell in the dark books See, and it's probably because I've been playing the games but he reminded me of something out of a legend of Zelda game i can like, see that too Specifically in Twilight Princess, the um, the dungeon with like the fidget spinner. <laughs> oh, the boss, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forget what it's called, but that's like a, a, a skull that shoots fireballs and stuff. That, that put, whole boss if fight you put, was cool. If you put ram horns on that thing, that's what this is. Yeah, no, that that's, that's dead on. It's basically, it's a dragon skull with ram horns, if you want to picture that. But I, I don't know. So, I like the design of it. It's it's done really well, and it. I like this. 
I guess it's a twinkle. It's not really because there's no eyeball, but the inside of the sockets shine. I like it. Yep. And that shine kind of comes in in a little bit, so keep that in mind, listeners. Keep that shine in mind. Because <laughs> I'm going to be back to it in a second. So, now we go back to Saki. So the artist, Michael Zuli, he takes us over to, to Saki, recovering from the Kaboom Booms, and he's climbing out of the rubble. He's angrily talking to himself about how Splinter is toying with forces beyond his control, and... He's like, he dares play with my kingdom, my people. He says his hand is forced, and he, he says, I'm coming for you, freak. I, I find the story interesting because it's almost like Saki and Splinter are reversed in motivations. Yes. Yeah, it's very like... This is like a deconstruction of the Turtles' origin story. Like, it's it's... Like I said, it's almost like if you took that first issue of Ninja Turtles, but you, you bought it in an alternate demon dimension through a trans-dimensional portal or something. Like, it's it's really like this weird remix of the original story. So, on the next page, we see Saki. He's standing on the top of his exploded building. And again, they draw every single brick. Like, the detail is crazy in this artwork. So... It kind of looks like when where they were in the Rat King issue, now that it's just rubble. <laughs> I think you just and wanted to bring up the Rat King. It's a good issue. So, <laughs> so here's where the twinkle comes back. So Saki, he like vanishes into the shadows, yep. but it looks like he disappears into fairy dust. And I think what I think the comic is trying to tell us is I think it was just him doing like ninja vanish, you know? Like in the movie. Yeah. But but there is that little twinkle left behind. So I don't know if that was magical or or ninjical. <laughs> then the next thing we see is a couple arguing in the street and Saki, he goes full Darth Vader and lifts the guy up by the throat and commands him, love one another. <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird moment because... It feels like Michael Zuli's trying to tell us something. I just don't know what. <laughs> Love each other or I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sail in back of them, too. But th th again, I don't know what the heck time it's supposed to be because Saki's very feudal Japan and these people look very 1990s, you know. I didn't. Did you think that? Because to me, they look like they were like turn of the century, almost like industrial revolution. Uh, era. I'd like, go with them, that, but the sale fifty percent like, off thing, like, is one what? of them's probably Pip. Pip. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Mister Shredder, I'm sorry. Did they not have sales during the they Industrial did, Revolution? But I don't. I don't. That seems like a very twentieth century look to me. I mean, the I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> I'm just like, I, 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 I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't even notice the sign. But that, that's the only reason where I'm wondering if it's supposed to be... Well, he's wearing, like, full samurai gear. Yeah, you know? he, he's got his full... I, I really actually like the design of Saki. I, I prefer you... Yeah, the Saki thing works. He's not really Shredder in this. Yeah. He's. You know what he kind of reminded me just on this page? Is he kind of reminds me of M. Bison. Yeah. <laughs> 
because he's talking about ruling his kingdom and he's wearing this like ridiculous outfit and he's lifting people up by the throat. See, I, I went the other way. He, re- he kind of reminded me of Rachel Ghoul. Oh, that's a good one. I, I mean, I could see the bison thing, but detective. Yeah. <laughs> Love each other. <laughs> so then we go to the actually, and- that's oh. that's fitting because he's the professor in Secret of the Ooze. Who? What? Oh, wait, that guy's the voice of Rajal Ghul. Yes, Rish. Rish, the professor. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Oh my good. Well, here you go. The guy who picks the dandelion. Yeah. That's how cool is that dandelion? It's pretty cool. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool to have that as like a prop? It would be. I mean, it's funny because that had to be so silly when they were filming it, and it was like, oh, hey, uh, you're gonna just find this giant dandelion, and that's how you're gonna show Shredder that there's more ooze about. <laughs> that's something I've thought about my whole life when watching movies, is like how silly it must be for the actors with like before the special effects are done. And one that's been making the rounds on the internet lately is they've been showing what, um, I can't think of his name, the guy who played Vision. Oh, with ears? Paul what Bettany he looked with ears. Like, Paul Bettany, not with ears, but just what he looked like in the Vision, uh, I guess you call it makeup, where he has all the dots all over his face so they can CGI it in later. And, and like, the caption is usually, like, Elizabeth Olsen was acting against this, so she deserves an Oscar. Like, things like that. Like, it really is completely silly when you see those things. Like, it's amazing what they're able to pull off. Yeah, I've seen that, but everyone was fixated on the ears, and I'm like, I never really noticed Vision didn't have ears, but now I do. I never noticed it either until you just said it. (laughs) I didn't see that. But yeah, Dandelion, Ninja Turtles, back to the topic. (laughs) See, I brought us back to Earth. Where were we? Splinter, he's asking the Demon Skull Animus to heal whatever turtle is down. We'll go with Leonardo. Hey, so see, it's it's like the original ten issues condensed. We got Leonardo down, and 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 they're not going to go to the farmhouse this time. So, be nice if you could bring the turtles back in the original NES game. Is the note I had here. <laughs> like once they're dead, they're just dead. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's like no way to revive a turtle. You, you get four lives in that game, and they all happen to be mm-hmm. individual people. So Splinter starts begging, heal him, your children beg of you your favor. And Animus says that he has no children such as these. And he doesn't basically feel any connection with the mutants and and he, he bounces, he's gone. So Splinter tells his sons that they will bring the fight to Shredder now. He's, he's getting all amped up on the fact that one of his, his boys ain't coming back. He's like, we will turn his lesson to us around and flail him bloody with it. And then he says, go now and wait. Saki is apparently not too far away. (laughs) He's standing on the roof, spawn style, in full shadow. He's like a silhouette. He makes his way from there into the turtle's lair. I think that's supposed to be like a door handle he's shattering. Yeah, again, it's another point where I... Seems like a modern door, like... Yeah. I don't know, like, I, I guess... 
I think this is like a Final Fantasy game where it's it's existing in its own universe. So like some stuff seems a little modern, some seems a little medieval. Like I don't know if there's a term for that, but whatever it is, Final Fantasy does it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so he breaks the door and Splinter, he commands the turtles, claw him, rend him, kill him. And the turtles go after Shredder, but they are like the buzzing of flies to him. Um, <laughs> as the Ghostbuster guy would say. And I think it's because of their hibernated state. Like, they're not that good because basically one of them goes up to Shredder and he just does the old Darth Vader throat grab and lifts him up. And then we get a twist. Story twist. Shredder asks if this is the beast that was dot 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 damaged. <laughs> and he tries to heal the fallen turtle through some kind of ninja magic. We're not really clear. He starts saying like the rest is a matter of will provided of course the beast has one and then he he turns to shredder saki he turns to leave and splinter stops him he says wait why and saki turns faces splinter and says everything beautiful dot 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 bleeds and then we go back to the foot clan headquarters that was kaboom boomed on page like two and shredder's servants are they're like running around repairing the damage done and as they work there's a strange i don't know figure that begins to emerge from the rubble and a crow with a death's head thing like a, what do you call it a the reaper anyway yeah, he arrives it, it, and he it's declares, a crow but it, it's like it's a mix of feathers and bone and he says my dearest my sweet beast i am coming Desolation is coming. And that's the end of the issue. And that's kind of a good way to summarize it as well. It's like this whole thing is like if the most goth author in existence was given like like I want to see other things through this through this prism. That was like I want to see like a Mickey Mouse story <laughs> told this way where it's like now is our bleakest winter of discontent goofy like <laughs> it only hurts for a minute haha <laughs> gorsh <laughs> and then pluto is like some kind of dragon demon it's like uh, it's i love that this thing exists i'm very glad that this isn't what turtles normally is but i'm happy to take a, a field trip here <laughs> you know what i mean oh yeah i mean especially after last last issue it was kind of comforting to come back to this and <laughs> if the next issue wasn't next i wouldn't like how the end is but i kind of i kind of dig the weird like ominousness of it it's a what is that thing people say where it's like um a, a great place to visit but i wouldn't want to live here I think yeah. that's it it's, it's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah We'll just go with that. I don't want to lose listeners. <laughs> let's continue. Let's continue the Zelda references and say this is a lot like in Twilight Princess when you're in the Shadow World. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it, it would sound like that if you could hear a comic book. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that fits pretty perfect. I do love this design on this woman. It's not Karai. 
I don't know. I I, I don't think Karai, no Karai didn't exist. Yeah, yet, Karai I wasn't think. around yet, so I she's just a helper. But I don't know. I really we are going to see her introduced though before the end of the season. Stay tuned she, for that. She uh, reminds me of the Joker's girlfriend in '89 Batman when he uh, gives her a mask. Oh, the model. Yeah, Vanessa. Vanessa. She threw herself out a window. Whoever she is. Yeah, you get a. You can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. But she <laughs> she looks like she has a mask because of something like disfigured her. It's a pretty good issue, honestly. It is, and you know that's a kind of a good segue into the ratings. Unless you had more notes. No, no. Uh, again, I reread it. it this and... was very hard, hard for me to give a rating to, because like it's nothing like any of the other turtles. So that's A. Yep. <laughs> B, I like it. C, do I just like it more because of what we had last week? You know what I mean? Is it like a recency bias type thing where I'm just like glad that I'm not reading that? So it made it really hard for me to give this a rating. And another part of my brain feels like I just toss out threes whenever I don't know what to say. <laughs> I've given a few just a, a, a flat three. I really don't know what to rate this one, so I'm going with a 3.1. <laughs> so it's not a flat three because it's doing something interesting. But it let me put it this way. I think if they did this too much, I would start to hate it really fast. It's like perfect for a three issue arc and then they take a break from it and then maybe you can come back and do like another three issue arc but I feel like the, even that would be the limit. I don't think I could take much more of this. <laughs> I love it while it's happening but I think I've hit my fill. Yeah, uh, here we go. Here's something weird in history. I also 3.1. We've, we've matched before. Cool, it's been a while, cool. but yeah, I I think part of it is I I am factoring issue 34 because of the reread, but it has the same problem as the River Trilogy Part 2, where it's clearly a middle, and mm-hmm. you really want to get to the end. And but I think that I will I would argue unlike that one, this one is necessary for the story. Whereas here, yeah. it's like the first the first issue wasn't necessary at all. Yeah, you I would have agree. Told, you could have told every... You literally could pick this up right here and skip that first issue and not miss anything. It gives you all the information you need. But, but the strengths here are the fact that they kind of reverse Saki and Splinter... So mm-hmm. what Splinter is doing seems more sinister than whatever Arakusaki has planned. Yeah, because they make it seem like he's doing this, like, what do you call that when you're, like, going against God? It's like he's, like, he's trying to revive the dead, and they're talking, like, they, they have that Saki dialogue about, like, he doesn't know what he's, what forces he's messing with, and, like, he's gonna, like, doom us all type, type scenario. And yeah, it really is like they flipped it and made them the the bad guys. Yeah, so uh, based on the strength of that, 
the storytelling is stronger, I feel, in this one than the first part. But you the could also art is equally interesting. You could also say it's a lot kind of like Beowulf and Grendel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's got kind of that feeling to it where where you're seeing it from the other side. And then there's the thirteenth warrior, which I actually I actually think that's the best version of that story. I don't remember. It's not called... The movie was called The 13th Warrior. I don't remember yeah, what the book was the called. Eaters of the Dead. Yeah, there you go. I, that I, was... I, it's actually one of the only books from high school that we were supposed to read that I actually read. <laughs> so oh, no. Was, I read that for fun because that was part of my late 90s, early 2000s Michael Crichton kick. Oh, I specifically remember reading that for summer reading in high school. And... You know what I also remember? This is a tangent, but I remember in, like, I think it was the sixth grade when you had to come back and do summer reading. Yeah. This shows how much, how pre-internet our generation was. I made up a book that I read. <laughs> <laughs> I did a report on a book that didn't exist. That's awesome. <laughs> and I that will never forget that. Awesome. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I was very bad at summer reading. I, I don't know how we got to summer reading. My brain is all over the place right now. <laughs> but no, yeah, back to turtles. I, the, because the Poe thing, you know, like yeah, that's something you read in school, and this has that type of feel to it. Never thought yeah. I'd say that about Ninja Turtles, but there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if just for the curiosity factor. And we haven't said this about any of the trilogies yet. I would say start with this one. I would say start if you're curious about these mutant, like, zombie... Well, they're not zombie. They kind of are zombie, actually. He just got healed. But um, if you're curious about these, these monster turtles, then, yeah, start with this issue. And then if you like it, read the first one and then the third one <laughs> do kind of an inside out uh machete order <laughs> to this trilogy yeah i and agree actually that that you could do it that way and you're not losing anything but i almost feel like you gained more by reading it out of order and you know what we haven't mentioned yet that some of our listeners might be thinking is I don't think this was in any way related to how the the turtles were designed in the movies produced by Michael Bay. But no, but it's it, it's, it's almost an unusual, similar. I think it's just yeah, it's similar. It's definitely a coincidence, but it's it's worth noting that the similarity is there. I just don't have anything to say about the similarity. But if you were listening to this and you wanted us to mention that. <laughs> it's been mentioned I just don't have anything to say about it <laughs> I think it's it's just a similar look yeah obviously they're not covered in you know Christmas ornaments and keychains and all this other crazy <laughs> stuff but yeah because these turtles they don't seem like they're 8 feet tall but they seem like they're considerably bigger than they usually would be mhm so I, I well yeah because he was a lot I, I think he was taller than Saki when Saki was strangling him yeah but so the it's kind of hard usually... to tell because he was lifting him by the throat but still 
turtles usually aren't. I mean, I, I I think I tweeted this this week. Leonardo Mirage Comics Leonardo is canonically four foot seven. Yeah, he is very short. <laughs> I forget which issue it's. I think it's mentioned in a uh, uh, the second volume of Tales, but yeah, he's only four seven. And I, yeah, I feel like Rise might be one of the only instances where they're all really different heights. I like a lot of what Rise did there too, and I think they made Raph a little too big, but I like that they're four different, different turtles. turtles. I hope that's something that happens again. Yeah, because they're yeah. not literally brothers. <laughs> they were just at a pet store. They were all owned at a pet store. Anyway. Depends on which version, blah, blah, blah. I know. I get it. Don't tweet me. Um, (laughs) So let's move on. We're done with this story. It's in the can. Let's do some toy figure facts. Oh, boy. Woo! So, I mean, since he debuted in Adventure Comics this month, I figured it was the perfect opportunity to take a look at Mondo Gecko. All right. Even though it has nothing to do with these monster turtles, but it was the other turtle comic, so boom. Mondo Gecko, the rip-roaring skateboarding reptile. He's got some vital gectistics here. Birthplace. Do you know where he was born? Where? No, where was Mondo Gecko born? There's no way this is a place, but <laughs> it says Quarter Pipe, and then for some reason it lists it as Quarter Pipe Hawaii. So his height is four feet tall. Oh no, his, sorry, his height is four feet over the lip, because he skateboards, mm. see? His weight is 150 pounds with clear skin. Not sure what that means. Does his weight change? Depend- uh, oh, because he has pimples, I get it. Do the pimples weigh that much? I'm trying to dissect this thing, I got nothing. <laughs> anyway, his accessories. Turbocharged sewer skateboard. Tail skate. Favorite phrase, skate or die. Favorite pastime, tongue and flies. Why isn't it skateboarding? Because that's, that's what so he does weird. for a job. Oh, okay. So here's the <laughs> I description. like how you just went with that. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> here's the description. A loner, a lizard, a skate master. Mutated from a headbanging thrash metal teenage guitarist, Mondo Gecko is the coolest lizard to surf the concrete jungle. Known to his cold-blooded Borden brethren as the Mon, I've never, in any of these versions of the Turtles, heard someone call him the Mon. <laughs> I don't think it happens. Alright, so Mondo Gecko likes to skate the sewers and grease the grind. The Maximum Maniac Grooves... Yeah, oh, sorry. This Maximum Maniac grooves on shining the curbside and puts fun and freedom ahead of everything else. He's always stoked and looking for a new adventure. So when the turtles need some extra help, Mondo's ready to skate, rattle, and roll. Mondo, Gecko, and the turtles make funky freestyling friends. Teenager to the end, mind well until he's twenty. Uh, teenager to the end, Mondo's got his brain jammed into Michelangelo's frequency. They're both party dudes, and that makes for a totally awesome twosome. 
with braces on his tubular teeth. I don't like the phrase tubular, tubular teeth. That's not good. With braces on his tubular teeth and cream on his mutant zits, Mondo Gecko chomps and chews on butter beans and rips through the sewer pipes, ready to crash and thrash the foot. So that's the description. I don't remember him having pimples, but... He does. Oh, does he? I'm sure he does. Is that... I remember the braces, and I remember that I was always bummed the skate on his tail didn't actually have wheels that moved. He's a character that escaped me when we were growing up. I don't remember. I don't have like any nostalgia for him from the cartoon show. But as an adult, between seeing him in the 2012 series and the IDW series, I've started to love Mondo Gecko. I've got a new appreciation for Mondo Gecko. No, I definitely had Mondo Gecko. So what you had him with, or maybe you didn't have these, but the original he was originally part of the 1990 basic assortment. Yep. So he was there with Don the Storage Shell Turtle, Wingnut and Screwloose, which I'm saving those for I don't know when they're gonna be appropriate, but we're definitely gonna dissect Wingnut and Screwloose, because they're some of my favorites. Muckman and Joe Eyeball was in that that uh, set Slash who is yep. definitely one of my all time favorite figures Ray Filet there was a Triceraton in there Pizza Face mm-hmm. Panda Con Fugitoid who I never liked the Fugitoid toy I love which is weird because much like Casey Jones if I had to like list my top non-Turtles characters it would probably be like Casey Jones and Fugitoid as like the top two and i do not like the the toy they did well his figure wasn't really interesting it just had the chest plate that opened up with the part you put in yeah but i lost my mind when he showed up on the 2012 series and it was aggravating because i was like uh, when i watched that uh, episode i was single back then not anymore i'm taking ladies but uh <laughs> but back then i was single and i was so it was one of those things when something awesome happens in your life and you're like frustrated that you don't have someone to like geek out over yeah. it with you know when he showed up in that show i was like i wish i had someone to tell how important this is too and they won't care but <laughs> but i can <laughs> at least say it to somebody <laughs> I I was so happy when that shuttle door opened and Fugitoid was there. I was like, oh my god, they're doing it. So, anyway. Also in this in this line, Mutagen Man, we said Mondo Gecko, Napoleon Bonafrog, and Scumbug. So that's all the figures that were released with uh with Mondo Gecko. So he he's worth the well, I don't know if he's worth this, but he costs more <laughs> than I expected. Just tell me. I can never guess it. So he's $200 brand new. Okay. And then he's around 12 to 20. Just him. I'd say out of this... Who's your favorite figure out of this set? Or are you looking at the set? Out of that set? Yeah. Uh... I think Slash is an alt like that's say, one of the Slash figures is really I really cool. Yeah. I have instant nostalgia for that. That's definitely a toy I owned. I look at that Slash figure and it's like memories flooding back of playing with that thing. Yeah, but I don't know cuz I had Mondo Gecko. I mean, he was 
He was I cool hated the too. storage shell turtles. That was one of the ones I remember having and not liking because it was like, I don't we care had, that I can store it. You know, like we had that Donatello that came out with that line, but mm -hmm. I don't think we ever got the other ones. But let me just pull them up quick and look. That's kind of a an interesting thing. Were there any Turtles figures you didn't like? Because th there's two that I can think of. I didn't like the storage shell turtle. I had one, and I was always like, he just looks fat. He doesn't look right, and I don't want to play with him. <laughs> and it was the same thing for the talking turtles, where you would like pull this oh, plastic the thing. Yeah. It was like a rip cord. Yeah. It, it would. They for some reason didn't do a pull string. It was like a rip cord. You would. You would. It was like a zip tie. <laughs> is what it looked like and you would you would pull it through and they would talk and again i was like they don't they got this big plastic thing on their shell i don't like it i can't i guess i had a limited imagination i'm like i can't pretend this is a mutant turtle it's got plastic on it <laughs> so, so out of his graduating class i had the storage don mondo mm -hmm. gecko and slash and panda con panda con was a cool figure mm-hmm yeah, he's pretty cool. But most of that, most of them I did not have. As far as something I didn't like, I didn't really like the mutating ones. Oh, that that were like Transformers? Yeah, the, the ones that would turn into a baby turtle, but it was still like the size yeah. of an... I was never big on those. I, I They did a Shredder one too, because I had a Shredder Transformer. I can't remember what he... I think he just... I, oh, he turned into the little drill thing, I think. No. Yeah, that was that a different line. Right. Yeah, no, the, oh, okay. there was a line where they turned into vehicles, but there was a mutating line with the turtles, and we had Bebop, which was cool because he went from a human to the warthog. That's cool. But I, I, I don't know, the turtle one bothered me because it, I guess for the same reason, it was too big. So it was just like this giant freakish four-legged turtle instead of... <laughs> You know, like an actual... This is a, this <laughs> I don't is a know. little off, t off topic, but speaking of transforming, another toy I remember being obsessed with as a kid was I had a Batman figure where the Bat costume would, like snapped onto him, so he was he could be Bruce Wayne or oh, Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had that. I was, I was obsessed with that thing. I, and, like, I probably made him be Bruce Wayne more than I made him be Batman, just because you could never get a Bruce Wayne figure any other way. The Batcave, you could get him to change into it, I think. That's that's a different thing. This was like that's snapped a different together. Thing? Yeah, this was this was like it was almost more like Iron Man than Batman. Like the chest plate would snap on him and there was like it was like a motorcycle helmet for the cowl that you could put on. And I think there were leg and arm pieces too. That would snap over his arm and be like armor. So it was probably a lot like what he looked like in Batman v Superman. <laughs> Which I know is like the the armor from the Dark Knight Returns comic, but but yeah, that's a lot like what he looked like. Hmm. Muckman and Joe Eyeball, back to the Turtles figures. They did some cool stuff with them in the 2012 series. I don't like remember the them being in it, but I'm, I'm sure they were. They Yeah, like the Eyeball had its own like personality and stuff. I mean, they weren't, you know, they weren't huge characters but they had I remember Mutagent Man was depressing as all hell in the 2012 series yeah what his voice was reminded me of something oh you know what it reminded me of I think they used the same effect for it he was done a lot like oh god no one's gonna know what I'm talking about here but 
You remember the cartoon Captain N? Oh yeah, yeah, like uh, Mother Brain. E exactly, yes, Mother Brain from the Metroid games. In but specifically that cartoon's version of it. Yep, <laughs> he was a lot like that, and he. He talked like a drive-thru speaker. <laughs> yeah. uh, what? <laughs> good times. Good times. We talked about Clarissa being scarring. Uh, the Captain N thing was also scarring because I don't know if you remember this, but the first line in the theme song is, Kevin, I thought I told you to clean your room. So every time that would come on, my mom would be like, yeah. You are supposed to clean your room. So Stupid cartoon. If your name is Kevin, don't watch Captain N. <laughs> it, it, the, the cartoon ratted me out. <laughs> you hate when that happens. Yeah. That's pretty much our thoughts on Souls, Wither, and the 1990 toy line. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... Souls it, withering, sorry. Hopefully that was a happier experience this week for you. Which is weird, because I never would have picked this comic to be the the uplifting no. episode. But, uh, <laughs> it's so it dark is. and macabre. Macabre. That's the word we've been looking for. This is a macabre story. It is corn on the macabre as hell. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Thank you guys very much for listening. We definitely appreciate all the new listeners we've been getting this this season. You you know where to find us. We say it every episode. You can find all the visual stuff we were talking about on Twitter and Instagram. And I feel like there's something else I wanted to say here, but I forgot it. <laughs> I definitely wanted to thank everyone who's new and, and listening. But beyond that, my brain shut off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. Bye. I'm going to be tackling Ocarina of Time soon in non-turtle related, but they're both green, I guess, news. <laughs> um, I'm cutting all this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know what I kind of want to get off my chest <laughs> about the Zack Snyder thing? Did you see the thing? I don't know if this is going to make it in the episode or not. Maybe it'll be bonus at the end. But um, did you see where the Snyder cut got leaked on Warner Brothers? I mean, Oh, um, with Tom. Yeah, Tom and yeah. Jerry. Did you see some of the comments where people legitimately thought that they were doing this on purpose to sabotage Zack Snyder? Do yes. you know how crazy that sounds? <laughs> like, uh, absolutely, you know, bat since they gave him $70 million to finish it. Yeah, there's that. There's also, I saw the a few of the comments were like, you never see this happen with Marvel. And I'm like, well, two things about that. First off, it did happen with Marvel. The entire ending to Endgame leaked like two weeks before the movie came out. Like everything from... Yep. Captain America lifting the hammer right up to Tony Stark's death. Like, it was all out there. Yep. Second off, just because it happens, it just because it doesn't happen at Disney, Disney's a bigger company. They have more security. Just because it doesn't happen there doesn't mean it happened on purpose over here. Those two things aren't causality. 
You know, like they've built half their advertising of HBO Max around. I was going to say that (laughs) that was the pitch was Wonder Woman 84 and the Snyder cut of Justice League. Get HBO Max. His movies. Here's I, I was thinking about this a lot at work. And here's how I would describe how I view Zack Snyder's comic book movies and probably movies in general. Look at it like a comic book. It would be the type of book where I'm like, I like a lot of these pages, but the whole thing together just isn't doing it for me. Yeah, I I think I'm going to enjoy it, but my whole thing was it was just, I'm glad the guy got to make the movie he was going to make. I think part of them wanted to try a different director at that point, and that was like they were looking for an out and they got one. I think, and this isn't a unique opinion, but I think Man of Steel is the best out of those three or two Snyder films. What is it? Yeah, it's just the two. Um, I think Man of Steel is the better of the two. It's got some really good moments, like the the guy in the church, really good. It's got, like, you know I've been saying forever that I want a good Superman movie, and that was close. I just can't get past what they did to Jonathan Kent, like... Oh, the the tornado. Yeah, it's like, and that's what I mean by if if his movies were a comic book, I would be like, I like most of these pages, but as a whole, I don't like it. It's like literally just how he made, not even just the death, but like how he was like raising Clark there and like, I don't know, Smallville. And again, people have said this to death on the internet, but Smallville handled that so much better than the Man of Steel film did like and yeah i get that they had 10 seasons to do it but it's like one episode of smallville gives you a better jonathan kent than than that movie did yeah that was a rant (laughs) i don't know if any of that'll make it in the episode (laughs) i'll probably put it at the end from what i've heard the flash is likable now because I, I didn't like him in Justice That's League. what I'm wondering about this new Superman movie. Like, are they going to start over at any point? Because I know Batman movie's not connected. No, it, it, it's, a, it's a multiverse. I don't like it, now. but I do. You know? Whatever. Next time we meet, we'll argue when I'm like, you know, I think the Snyder Justice League's better than any of the Avengers movies. <laughs> no way. Nothing's better than that first Avengers movie. Because it's so meta. So good. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. I don't know what I'm going to edit out of that. Uh, (laughs) Eh, I've been in worse situations. (laughs) Bye. The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at TMNTNerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at TMNTNerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.